Today, we're going to continue on our series, uh, Summer in the Psalms, in Psalm 17. And like that video um, sort of described, it's a psalm that talks about prayer and how important prayer is in the good times and especially in the bad times in our life. In fact, the bad times tend to drive us to prayer a little more often, don't they? So Psalm 17 is one of those psalms. Uh, It's a psalm of David, and David wrote approximately 55 out of the 150 psalms, give or take. So he's in the book of Psalms a lot. He wrote a lot of them, and this is one of them. There's actually uh, many different types of psalms. Um, There's 150, so as you could well imagine, there's all kinds of different types. Some are what we call a call to worship where they'll just say, you know, magnify the Lord, lift up his name, worship him, you know, blast the trumpets and sing his praise, you know, the the call to worship. Some are laments, meaning these are psalms that talk about distress and struggle and pain and Lord, where are you? And I'm in the midst of a dark time in my life and I need your help. And there's a bunch of lament songs Uh, lament psalms. There's thanksgiving psalms where it's all about just giving thanks and and, uh, remembering his goodness. There's some psalms that they classify as remembrance psalms, and they they look back at a moment um, or a a time when God intervened in the psalmist's life, and he's looking back and remembering how incredible it was. Uh, in fact, they're kind of, I, I, I sort of describe them as anniversaries of God's power. It's God shows up, and then years later, you, you look back and you still remember how incredible it was. Those, um, those remembrance psalms are psalms that build your faith because they cause us to remember that God is still good that God is still great, that his power, his hand, his love, his mercy is still as wonderful as it ever was. A lot of us have things in our lives where you know that the Lord really helped you, bailed you out, and years go by, and you still look back on those times and go, man, that was awesome when God showed up and did that for us. And that, that's, uh, that's what kind of remembrance psalms are. Um, there are wisdom psalms that talk about two contrasting ways of life. One way is wise and you should follow it. The other way is foolish and you should avoid it at all costs. And there's a number of wisdom psalms. But today, all that to say, some psalms are identified as, as prayers. They're actually called Prayers. Now, they can all be prayed. A lot of the psalms are songs that they sung to, but there's only five of the 150 that are classified as prayers. They're actually called a prayer of David or a prayer of Asaph or a prayer of Moses or whatever the case may be. And in Psalm, uh, if you want to know, there's Psalm 17, 86, 90, 102, and 142. Those are the five prayer psalms. Uh, David wrote three out of those five, and the first one he wrote is in Psalm 17, and that's what we're going to look at today. So the, the reminder to us all here is that prayer is vital. It's huge to have in our lives. That regular communication with the Lord is vital 
to help keep us on track, to give us the comfort, the strength, the, the courage, the wisdom, the direction that we need. If we're lost, he said, ask me. If you need wisdom, ask me. If you need strength, ask me, right? This, this is where prayer comes in, that we're to pray in good times and in the bad times. Prayer actually shows our reliance on God, right? When you have nowhere else to run, you can always pray, right? When there's no other answer and no, no doctor, no person, nobody can give you the answers, you can always run to the master, right? You can run to the king. And so he's, he's encouraging us to do that. It, it, it shows our reliance on God. And actually, it's a really powerful response when we're in need. When you're in need, don't run to the Lord last. How about we run to the Lord first, amen? So it's a powerful response, prayer is. He's given it to us as a tool to, to draw close to him. He's saying, listen, the curtain is torn. The death of Jesus tore the curtain. You can now walk into the holy of holies, the presence of God with boldness because he loves you and wants to hear your voice. He wants you to communicate with him. It's an incredible blessing that we don't take near uh, advantage of enough. John Bunyan was an old uh, preacher pastor and he said this, he said, prayer is a shield to the soul, it's a sacrifice to God, and it's a scourge to Satan. And, and I think he's, he's bang on. So today, as I'm talking, how is your prayer life? Do you ever talk to God? Not, it doesn't have to be a big flowery prayer. It doesn't have to be something that uh, I think, uh, sometimes we, get, we try to get too religious with our prayers r rather than just being honest as if, as if you're going to impress God with your vocabulary. What you impress him with is your authenticity, with your honesty, with your sense of being real before him. This is how our prayer life should be. It doesn't need to be hours and hours long, sometimes just saying a prayer on your way to work. Sometimes just, uh, just, sometimes just a quick connection to the Lord. Lord, please, I'm going into a situation where I need your wisdom. As I talk with this person, please give it to me. Show me what I need to say. Show me what I need to do. And just give it to him. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. So how's your prayer life? What do you pray for? What do you pray for when you do pray? Um, Psalm 17 points out a few things that David prayed about, um, especially when he was in trouble. And I wanted to go through those with you today. And we're just gonna take it in uh, chunks today. But here's the first five verses, Psalm 17, verse one to five. He says this, "'O Lord, hear my plea for justice.'" Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer, for it comes from honest lips. Declare me innocent, for you see those who do right. You have tested my thoughts and examined my heart in the night. You have scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I am determined not to sin in what I say. I have followed your commands, which keep me from following cruel and evil people. And my steps have stayed on your path, and I've not wavered from following you. So David starts off his sim, uh, his, this psalm by, by saying, search me. This is what he's saying. Check me out. Examine me. You'll see, Lord, that, that I, I am, 
I am the real deal. I have tried to follow your ways. I've avoided the cruel and evil people. I want you to search me, examine me. I want you to come, Lord, and vindicate me that I am who I am. I know that I'm sincere. I know that what I'm doing here is right. So he, he, he knew that his cause was just. David is under serious pressure. The threat to his life is real, but he knew that he was on the right side. He knew that his cause was just, and he knew that he was sincere. And so he's able to, to, to pray this prayer of faith and believe that God was going to rise up and give him the victory. So, by the way, he's not saying he's sinless, right? Remember last week? But he's saying, Lord, I'm blameless. My, my connection to you is real. I'm, I'm a man of integrity. I'm committed to following you. I'm not perfect, but I know that I'm blameless in your sight. So... David prays, Lord, search me, examine me. I know that you will see the honesty, the truth. I can't hide it from you, and I'm confident that I'm on the right side here, so come and check me out. So he declares that his standing with God is right. He says, my standing with you is, is authentic, it's sincere. And he, he's not being prideful, by the way. He's just declaring that his faithfulness and his devotion to the Lord is real, and he knows it is. So he's going to prayer with a clear conscience. Isn't that powerful? When you can pray with a clear conscience, you're not saying you're perfect. You're not saying you don't make mistakes, but you're saying, I'm a man or a woman who's blameless, as we described last week, right? A person of of character, of integrity. I'm connected to you. I'm devoted to you. I'll make mistakes, but my heart is set on you, Lord. And this is where David was. He is able to go into the Holy of Holies with a sense of boldness. So it wasn't pride. It was actually humility mixed with a little boldness, knowing that he was right. So sincerity. So for us, what does it mean? So sincerity and authenticity, it's really important in our prayers. When we try to approach the Lord with deceit, with pride, with selfish motives, it's never really going to work. It's just not going to happen. Look at Mark eleven twenty three. It says, I tell you the truth, Jesus is talking. You can, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And James chapter four, verse three says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. That is, that's like a, just a poke in our side right there. This is sometimes how we pray. And, and sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't even know it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but you can actually be praying with unresolved sin in your life. You can be praying with selfish motives. You can be praying with a wrong agenda, and you don't even know it. Sometimes you're just, you're just so fixated on what you want, what you think is best, what you want God to do, and then God gets the blame because he doesn't show up the way that you demanded him to, as if you can do that. It's arrogance and pride and foolishness on our, on, our, on our side, right? God gets blamed, right? But we never approach him with the right intent. We never come to him with the right approach. We come to him with this 
unresolved baggage, this selfishness in our lives, and it, it, it twists and turns our prayers in all kinds of wrong directions. So David says, Lord, I want you to search me. I want you to check out my heart. I want you to make sure that my motives are pure. I want to be right on this. And if I'm not right, then make me right. If, if I'm thinking I should go right and you want me to go left, then I, I need to know that because I want, I want to go your way. And this is actually a powerful prayer to pray. We, we want and should want the Lord to check us out, check out our heart, check out our motive. David later said in Psalm 139, verse 23, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. And then look what he says, point out anything in me that offends you, and then lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is a powerful prayer that we need to pray more often. David knows that holiness, uh, that right motives, that understanding, uh, you know, all that God wants us to do is a serious, seriously important as we pray. Look at Isaiah 59, verse 1. It says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. See, so maybe we need to get that right. Maybe we need to look inside a little bit more. Maybe we need to make sure that our approach, that our motive is correct. Holiness is not this list of rules, by the way. It's not this religious set of rules that we follow, you know, uh, to, to sort of earn brownie points. It's, it's really, holiness to me is really, uh, it's uh, trying to understand God's will and trying to understand God's perspective on all the things that relate to my life and then aligning myself to honor him and to follow the desires that he has for me. So if he wants me to do this, then I want to do that. If he wants me to go there, then I want to go there. That I'm trying to align myself with him, with his will, with his desire. He only wants the best for his children, amen? So if that's true, then it makes good sense to follow his will, to do what he wants. If he's only going to lead me into blessing and lead me into abundance and lead me into a place that I need to get to, then it just makes sense for me to follow that and then to enjoy the blessing that will flow from my obedience and my relationship with him. So it's, it's important, this whole idea of search me, search me, Lord Check out my heart. Correct my motives. Make sure that I'm, I'm just on the right path. And show me what's wrong. Lead me, Lord. Lead me. So this is what David says. We have got to be open to the Holy Spirit. We've got to be open to his searching. We've got to be open to his pointing out anything in our lives that need to be changed. And by the way, you're just like me. All of us are, right? We have this natural bias towards ourselves. I always cheer for me, always. I always minimize my baggage and make your baggage look way worse than mine. It's just a natural thing 
that we do all the time. We, we have this natural bias and we're actually blind a lot of the times when it comes to our own faults. We can't see them. We struggle to see them. Your faults are like a light on the top of a hill. I can point them out in three seconds, but mine, oh, I don't know about mine. I don't know. Justify, justify. No, it's not as bad as yours. Justify, justify. You know, can't even see sometimes how it is. Look at Proverbs 16:2. It says, People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. And this is the truth. And Jesus said something really profound in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. He said, Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Seriously. I mean, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. We're blind. Sometimes we got two logs right here. And all I can see is your fault, your dysfunction, your issues, and all, but, but, but I'm blind to mine. And Jesus says, listen, you need the searchlight of the Holy Spirit to come and say, this needs to be made right. If your prayers are going to be more powerful and more effective and more anointed, you've got to get in line here with where I want to take you, with what I want to do in you, with what I want to do through you. Your log is blocking this. And you keep seeing everybody else's baggage but you can't see your own. See, a spirit that is teachable and open and ready to see and to hear and to accept what the Holy Spirit might say. It's a powerful tool as we pray. See, David wanted to be searched. He wanted to be open. He wanted to be corrected. He was open to receiving the change. And the question is, are you? Are you? Do your prayers line up with God's will? Do they line up with God's plan? Are you dealing with unresolved sin that you've been justifying instead of getting rid of? Are you blind? Is the log still blinding your eyes? Are you blind to the motives, to the wrong motives, to the personal agendas that you have that seem to dominate your prayers? Are we sincerely open to the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit? See, so many of us are control freaks. We really are. All of us are to a certain level. We want to control our own destiny, our own stuff. And to a certain point, of course, it's healthy. But it gets to the point in our relationship with God where it gets in the way. Because we're trying to control everything. And he's saying, you need to let me in so I can make some changes. And sometimes it's a really powerful prayer to say, search me, O Lord know my heart, and point out anything in me that offends you. Point out anything in me that's wrong, that's leading me in the wrong direction, that's taking me somewhere that you don't want me to go. Show me. Show me. Please search me. This is a powerful prayer, and David does it well. Uh, and he does it again here in Psalm 17. The next one is protect me, he says. Look at verse 6. Put it up for me. Psalm 17, verse 6. I'm praying to you because I know you will answer, O God. Bend down and listen as I pray. 
Show me your unfailing love in wonderful ways. By your mighty power, you rescue those who, who seek refuge from their enemies. Guard me as you would guard your own eyes. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Protect me from wicked people who attack me, from murderous enemies who surround me. They are without pity. Listen to their boasting. They track me down and surround me, watching for the chance to throw me to the ground. They are like hungry lions, eager to tear me apart, like young lions hiding in ambush. He's saying, Lord, I got a problem. It's real. I got people after me. This is a horrendous situation. I need you to protect me. He says in verse 8, guard me as you would guard your own eyes. And it's such an interesting phrase. You can look it up in different translations of the Bible, but the phrase is actually used to describe something that's precious and easily injured. So he refers to it as an eye. So our eyes are precious and fragile, correct? And we'll do anything to protect our eyes. You cut a tree down, you should wear eye protection. You're cut, you do this, eye protection. What's your mother? Don't throw snowballs. Somebody could get hit in the... It doesn't matter if you get hit in the shoulder, but man, you don't want to get hit in the eye. It's protect your eye. It's always like, it's fragile. It's precious. It's important, right? David wants the Lord's protection as if he was the an eye. He's saying, Lord, I am valuable, and I am fragile, right? I need you to protect me like you would protect an eye. This is what he's saying. Like we protect an eye from injury, so David wants the Lord's protection over his life. He says, they're coming after me, Lord. They're like lions hiding in the long bush. And if I make the wrong turn, they're going to pounce on me, take me to the ground. I am in deep danger and I need your protection. He says, also he says, hide me in the shadow of your wings, which is a really cool phrase. It's the idea of God shielding us from danger, of course. Like we, we, we get the birds sitting on a nest, you know, to protect their chicks. Sometimes when it's raining and they'll spread out their wings and they'll, they'll block, you know, as much as they can to, to keep their chicks warm and dry. And, and so you get this picture. And that, that phrase, by the way, is used several times in Scripture, um, several times in the Psalms alone. Look at Psalm 57.1. Here's a couple examples. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. And Psalm 63.7 says, because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. There's many others. Jesus actually said it too. Remember when he was looking over Jerusalem? Matthew chapter 23, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. He wants to protect us. Did you get that? He wants to protect us. And so David realizes he's in trouble. You ever been in trouble in your life? Um, yeah, you, I've guaranteed you have. And there'll be more trouble coming. And when you're in trouble, run, run to the protection of the Lord. He's saying, guard me, Lord, like you would guard an eye, because I'm valuable and precious and fragile in your sight. Come, Lord, and let me hide 
under the shadow of your wings and keep me safe. See, the wings also, one other thing, they also uh, refer to the wings of the cherubim, the, the angels that sit on the, uh, that, uh, that are in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle where God's presence was. Um, here's an example, Exodus 25. It says, make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover and mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other. They're facing each other and they're looking down on the atonement cover. So they're like this. And he says, with their wings spread above it, they will protect it. This is, uh, uh, again, an, an imagery thing. But David is also asking the Lord to make his protection, right, the place of his presence. The cherubim are in the holy of holies where the presence of the Lord was. That where his presence is, that's where his glory is. That's where he, he, he says, I'm, I'll be protected by the angels. Like, Lord, hide me under the shadow of your wings. Lord, like the cherubim, who, when they're in your presence, Lord, if we get into your presence, then we'll enjoy your protection. We'll enjoy your glory. We'll enjoy being with you. And while we're under his wing, it's not just normal normal protection. You're actually in his presence. That's the point. Don't miss that. You're in his presence. So when you're in his presence, you have his love, his mercy, his power, his grace. All the qualities of, Lord, of, of God are found in his presence under his wings. Paul said in Romans, right? He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Because we run under the protection of the shadow of his wing. And no one, no one, no one can get under there when we're in his presence. So in verse nine, David says, protect me. Protect me from the wicked people who are trying to attack me. They're surrounding me. They're ready to, they're ready to pounce, Lord. And the threats on his life were real. They were legit. And in the middle of his trouble, he does the right thing and he prays. Um, I read this, I don't know who said it, but it was a phrase that I've read in the past. Someone said that fears that have become prayers are already half conquered. And I, I really like that. Fears that have become prayers are already half conquered. You're already on your way to get over it. James Montgomery Boyce, who was a famous uh, preacher, a theologian years ago, he said, this one day, that he had a Bible teacher when he was young, and the Bible teacher, when he was in trouble, would pray these words, Lord, your property is in danger. And he said, it always stuck with me. And I, I, to be honest, I'm using that next time I'm in deep trouble. Lord, your property is in danger. Come on. I need the shadow of the shelter of your wings. Come on. I, I need your presence. I need your protection. I need to find that place, Lord. Your property is in danger. So when you take these, these three phrases together, he says, guard me, hide me, protect me. It's the same idea. It's this powerful picture of God's care for his people, that a child of God is precious, protected like a valuable, fragile eye, and that we're kept in his presence under the shadow of his wing. Guard me, hide me, protect me. Those are good prayers to pray when temptation comes our way and when times of trouble 
enter into our lives. Lastly, he says, rescue me. Verse 13 to 15, here's the end of the psalm. Arise, O Lord, and stand against them and bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked with your sword. By the power of your hand, O Lord, destroy those who look to this world for their reward, but satisfy the hunger of your treasured ones. May their children have plenty, leaving an inheritance for their descendants. Because I am righteous, I will see you. And when I awake, I will see you face to face and be satisfied. So now David, David is thankful for the protection of the Lord, but now he takes it a step further. He says, Lord, I'm thankful for the protection, but now he's saying, rescue me, deliver me. Lord, get me out of this mess. Don't just protect me from the consequences of this mess, but get me out of this mess. Deliver me and move me out of here. So I wrote this this week. If you want to be discouraged, then look in. If you want to be defeated, then look back. If you want to be distracted, then look around. If you want to be distressed, then look ahead. But if you want to be delivered, then look up. Yeah. You need to hear that one more time? All right. I think this should be on social media, Stefan. Just a hint there. Put this up. If you want to be discouraged, look in. If you want to be defeated, then look back. If you want to be distracted, then look around. If you want to be distressed, then look ahead. But if you want to be delivered, then look up. This is what David does. His Lord, rescue me, deliver me. Verse 15 uh, just as we close here, he, he says, he's, it's, David is describing what he believes to be his glorious future. He's saying, when I awake, meaning when, when I see you, when I awake from the dead, when I close my eyes on this earth for the last time and I wake up, I'm going to be in your presence. I will be fully satisfied and I will be fully transformed. I will see your face. Remember, we've talked about that the last few weeks seeing his face versus not seeing his face. He says, I'm going to see your face. David is confident that the ultimate, the ultimate awakening is yet to come. Our world needs a spiritual awakening badly, but David is saying, this is the ultimate awakening and it's yet to come. That a new life for eternity in God's presence is the ultimate awakening that I'm looking forward to. Look at this, Psalm 16, verse 11. He says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. And one more, Psalm 73 says, yet I, will, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. It's the ultimate rescue. When we say, rescue me, Lord, rescue me, sometimes, yes, he rescues us from an issue or a problem or delivers us from baggage here, but the ultimate rescue is seeing him face to face. That is it. When our salvation becomes sight, when we see him face to face, that is the ultimate rescue.
So David sort of seems to be saying here that even when I die, the Lord's not going to desert me. I will be awakened. I will see his face. I will be satisfied. So rescue me, deliver me. It's still a good prayer to pray. Um, Like the old hymn writer said, are you ready? George and Peter, come on, you're my hymn buddies here, okay? Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer, amen. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. This is who he is. Our ultimate, ultimate rescue is to know Jesus and to have him as the Savior and Lord of our life. This is the ultimate rescue plan. All of us are going to face death. All of us are going to breathe our last. And David said, Lord, when I breathe my last and I awake, I will be in your presence. Isn't that awesome? When we know him, we live with confidence, not just in this world, but in the world that is yet to come. This is why you need to know Jesus. If you're here today, you need to know Jesus. If you're watching online today, you need to know Jesus. He is the ultimate rescue plan. In fact, he says he's the only way. He's the only one. He's the only plan that will get us into the presence of the Lord. And so he is still our shield and solace. He is still our refuge. He is still the one that we can run to. So all that to say, keep prayer as a regular habit in your life. Can I encourage you? There's five Psalms that are called prayers, five of them. I said 17, 86, 90, 102, and 142. Those are the five prayers that are written out in the Psalms. And read them, pray them. Look at the the lessons and the quality of those prayers and start to incorporate some of those ideas into your own Uh, into your own life and into your own prayer. Keep it as a regular habit. Don't just pray in the bad times. Pray in the good times too. Stay close to him and keep calling on the name of the Lord. You've got to stay close to him to find his will. And remember, be open to any changes that he wants to make in your life. Don't be stubborn. Don't be prideful. Take the log out of your eye. Don't be blind to what the Lord wants to do in you. Search me, O Lord, David says. Keep me protected under the shadow of your wing and rescue me from the temptation that is all around me and from the evil that comes against me. Guide me and keep me on the road that leads to everlasting life. It's a powerful prayer. It's a powerful prayer. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, today so much. How can we ever, Lord, say thank you for all the things that you've done? Thank you, Jesus, that you are the ultimate rescue plan. Thank you, Lord, that those of of the people that walk on this earth, that those who accept you, Lord, 
can live with confidence, like David said, that when I awake, I will see you face to face. Lord, I pray today that you would keep us in that place of closeness to you, that you would help us to pray, Lord, to remove the blinders that we might be guilty of having, and let us see you and search, let you search us and get us to the place where you need us to be. I pray, Father, today that anyone that is hearing my voice would look inside their own heart, that it doesn't matter who we are, it doesn't matter how much money we have, the position in life we have, it doesn't matter how poor we are or, or everything, it doesn't matter the color of our skin, it doesn't matter who our parents are or where we come from, all of us are going to cross the barrier from life to death, all of us. And when we do, Lord, we want to have the relationship with Jesus solid and ready. And so I pray today, if anyone is here that doesn't know you personally, they can. And it's just a simple but yet a great decision to make, to find your heart, to find a relationship with you and begin to journey in this life with you rather than without you. And so I ask today, Lord, that you would just grip people's hearts, grip all of our hearts today. Keep us close to you. May we be men and women of prayer. Those of us that know you, may we be people of prayer. And may we learn how to pray better, Lord, and more effectively. And I pray, Father, anyone who doesn't know you would pray a prayer for the first time. If you're here or you're listening, it just starts with something as simple as this. Jesus, I believe in you. I know that I need you in my life. And I'm open to you coming in. So forgive me of my sins. Lead me, Lord, to the path that you want me to be on. And I will follow you. I commit my life to you. And I am open to believing in you and receiving in you. Come into my life. Save me, change me, and forgive me. It's just something as simple as that. And then you begin your journey of living with him and discovering how great he is. So thank you, Lord, today for loving us. Thank you for being all that we ever need. You are more than enough. Thank you for everybody that's here today. Thank you for everybody that's watching. May your blessing, Lord, rest on us. May your peace, Lord, go with us. And may your love impact us so that we may impact others. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name.